History Babe Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. I'm Jen. And we are the Art History Babes. Today's quick little baby episode is on a very influential school of art and design, a German school of art and design in the early 1900s, the Bauhaus. Not to be confused with the 80s group Bauhaus. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually doing my research for this and I was looking for podcasts about the Bauhaus and there was one podcast that was about the 80s group Bauhaus. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, nope, not that one. (laughs) What if there was a whole podcast that was just called No, Not That One and it was like the alternative, like the offbeat version of something more famous. Brilliant. I like that. and I'm No, not that one. I love it. (laughs) If someone out there makes up that podcast, We're going to cut this out and we're going to do it ourselves. Yeah, (laughs) that is ours now. Copyright. (laughs) Trademark. Stamped. All right. Bauhaus. So the Bauhaus was founded in 1919 by Walter Gropius and the German word translates to construction house or building house. It was based on the ideals of the medieval guilds teaching through apprenticeship and with focus on mastery of craft. It was conceived as a total school of art, design and architecture. Their goal was to incorporate art into the real world and their slogan was art into industry. Bauhaus combines craft and fine art and their creations were thoughtful, artful and mass produced. Some big names of the movement are Wallace Kandinsky, Paul Klee, and Joseph Albers. Gropius was deeply influenced by the constructivism that arose from the Russian Revolution. Constructivism being a movement in favor of art as a practice for social purposes. He was also inspired by William Morris and the ideas that drove the arts and crafts movement. Both men advocated that art should meet the needs of society and that there should be no distinction between form and function. Bauhaus style, also known as international style, marked by the absence of ornamentation and by harmony between the function of an object or a building and its design. Founded on the idea of creating a total work of art. I don't know how to say this. Gesamtkunstwerk. Perfect. (laughs) Gesamtkunstwerk. Nice. (laughs) Thanks. In which all arts, including architecture, would eventually be brought together, had a profound influence on subsequent develops in modernist art architecture, graphic design, interior design, industrial design, and typography. The Bauhaus's history can be broken into three parts marked by three different geographical locations with different curricular emphases and three different architect directors. From 1919 to 1928, it was Walter Gropius. It was Hans Meyer from 1928 to 1930 and Ludwig Mies van der Rohe from 1930 until 1933. From 1919 to 1925, the actual school was in Weimar, and then it moved in 1925 to Dessau until 1932, and finally to Berlin for its last two years from 1932 to 1933. The term international style first came into use after a 1932 exhibition curated by Henry Russell Hitchcock and Philip Johnson. The exhibition was titled Modern Architecture International Exhibition, which declared and labeled the architecture of the early 20th century as the international style. The architecture coming out of the Bauhaus would come to be grouped into this international style. With the surge in the growth in cities in the first half of the 20th century, particularly after World War II, the international style provided an easily achievable style option for vast-scale urban development projects. 
returning now to the beginnings of the Bauhaus and the basic tenets of the school, the preliminary course or Vorkurs were created to give a fundamental overview of modern architectural elements. The goal is represented by a wheel was to begin in the outer ring, which was the basic course and work your way in certain elements such as the study of materials and tools, study of nature, study of color, etc. until the middle, which was then the total work of art or Gesamtskut's work. Johannes Eaton, the Swiss expressionist painter, designer, teacher, and writer, was responsible for the development of the Vorkers, and he was celebrated for his contributions to color theory. He was known for not correcting his students' creative work on an individual basis for fear that this would crush the creative impulse. Rather, he selected certain common mistakes to correct for the class as a whole. He taught his students the basic material of material characteristics, composition, and color. Eaton was a follower of Mazdaznan, a fire cult originating in the United States that was largely derived from Zoroastrianism. He observed a strict vegetarian diet and practiced meditation as a means to develop inner understanding and intuition, which for him was the principal source of artistic inspiration and practice. He created conflict with Walter Gropius, who wanted to move the school in a direction that embraced mass production rather than solely individual artistic expression. Johannes Eaton would resign from the school in 1923. The Bauhaus was also well known for many of the women artists that came out of the Bauhaus school. The Bauhaus claimed to be an institution of gender equality. The school did have more women applicants than men when it first started out. However, the treatment of women and men was not necessarily equal. Gropius thought women thought in two dimensions. <laughs> making them more fit for textile work. Wow. Uh, women were encouraged to work in the weaving shop, which was very successful, like totally world-renowned, by the way. It was a very important weaving shop that did a lot for the development of textiles in art. And men were encouraged to do the fine arts and architecture and those kind of things. So there were so many badass women of the Bauhaus. And I'm going to talk about a few of them. We got a couple of them. Annie Albers went to the School of Arts and Crafts in Hamburg and then went to the Bauhaus in 1922. There she met Joseph Albers. And if you couldn't tell by her last name, they were wed. She became a master of the loom. Wow. All right. <laughs> what a great title. I know. You can put that on your business card. Master of the loom. <laughs> I need to become a master of the loom. <laughs> yeah. That's the first step. <laughs> She was really into the functional aspects of te textiles. She designed a cotton and cellophane curtain, Ooh. which was very avant-garde at the time. Like using cellophane in textile was kind of unheard of. This curtain simultaneously absorbed sound and reflected light. I could use one of those. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she became the leader of the weaving workshop as, and was one of the first women at the Bauhaus to have a leadership role. Annie Albers would go on to be the first woman textile artist to have a solo show at the the MoMA. Nice. Gertrude Arndt entered the Bauhaus in 1923. 
She wanted to be an architect, but classes were not yet available at the school. She was a very successful textile artist, but her photography work is what would be the most influential to modern art. She is known for photographing modernist architecture in her series titled Mask Portraits. This is a series of self-portraits depicting traditional female roles, and her work is considered an important influence of contemporary feminist art and photography. Audie Berger was an incredibly influential member of the Bauhaus. She had been described as one of the most talented students at the weaving workshop. Her work was very experimental and expressive. She took a conceptual approach to her work and actively pushed her work out of the realm of feminine craft. While at the Bauhaus, she also wrote a treatise on the methodology of textile production and fabric use. Berger's story ends rather tragically. She was Jewish and was no longer able to work in Germany. She fled to London. She returned to Croatia because her mother was sick, and while she was there, her entire family was captured and taken to Auschwitz, where she died. The Bauhaus would move to Dessau, Germany in 1925 from Weimar, and there they built a new Bauhaus building that embraced many of these principles of a total work of art, as well as the pared-down functionalist modernist building. Walter Gropius resigned in 1928, and Hans Meyer would take over as director in Dessau. Meyer was a radical functionalist, and there was conflict among the faculty in the school, and he would clash with other instructors over aesthetic programs. The school under Meyer was leaning more further left than under uh, Walter Gropius, but Hans Meyer forbid students from forming any left-wing groups with the rise of the Nazi party in Germany. In 1930, Mies van der Rohe would be appointed as director, and he immediately interviewed each student and dismissed those that he deemed uncommitted to the overall vision of the school. Mies would halt the school's manufacture of goods, which began under Hans Meyer's direction, and shifted the school to focus more on teaching. In late 1932, Mies van der Rohe would rent a derelict factory in Berlin and move the school from Dessau to Berlin using his own money. However, in 1933, the Gestapo closed down the Berlin school. Mies van der Rohe protested the decision, eventually speaking to the head of the Gestapo, who agreed to allow the school to reopen. However, shortly after um, he received a letter permitting the opening of the Bauhaus, Mies and the other faculty agreed to voluntarily shut the school down. So at this point, neither the Nazi party nor Adolf Hitler had a cohesive architectural policy before they came to power in 1933. However, the Bauhaus had been labeled un-German and was criticized for its modernist styles, and Nazis would deliberately generate public controversy over issues like their flat roofs. Scandalous. (laughs) Those flat roofs. (laughs) Crazy. They characterized the Bauhaus as championing communist ideals. Even before the Nazis had come to power, political pressure on the Bauhaus had increased. The Nazi movement, therefore, from the nearly the start, denounced the Bauhaus for its degenerate art, and the Nazi regime determined to crack down on what it saw as the foreign, probably Jewish, influences of cosmopolitan modernism. Eventually, many designers and architects active in the Bauhaus would emigrate to the United States during World War II. 
they succeeded in spreading the concepts of the Bauhaus in the U.S. under the new Bauhaus of Chicago. Mies van der Rohe, in particular, emigrated to the United States for the directorship of the School of Architecture at the Armour Institute, now known as the Illinois Institute of Technology in Chicago, and sought to build commissions in the United States. So architects like Mies van der Rohe and others who emigrated from Germany would bring the international style to the United States. Where it would go on to influence the future of modernism. So the Bauhaus is like an incredibly heavy topic just because of its interactions like being a German school and World War II and Nazism and things like degenerate art like so much has been written on the Bauhaus and and what it meant for modernism and the intersection of art and design like so much has been written about the Bauhaus so we'll obviously do more episodes where we get to kind of dive deep into these things but in case you've just been like hearing this word Bauhaus thrown around I feel like it's one of those words where it gets thrown around so much that you feel stupid asking. So yeah. I bet there are a lot of people who have no idea because people talk about it so casually it's that they're true. scared to ask what it means. And that's fair because while it can be pared down as we successfully did um, <laughs> as a school of modern design very successfully I will say that this was successful pat self on back um, it was a school of design but more than that it was a it was a cultural shift it was a response to World War One and the pretty much total destruction of Germany mm-hmm. and this idea of trying to rebuild a modern Germany therefore the modern world so big ideas heavy 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 ideas that we would love to get deeper into in a full-length episode. So look forward to that. We'll be doing that at some point. But hopefully now you can at least be like, hey, I know what Bauhaus is other yeah. than that 80s band. They're not They're not bad. <laughs> Check them no, out No, not that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thank you for listening to this art history baby. And we will, we will see you in our full-length Bauhaus episode. Check it out. See you there, guys. Bye, babies. From Cabernet to Montmartre, they're here to slay the art history babes. How many masters? <laughs> to, stay, to write it in one sentence. Pull out my card. Hi, Jennifer, master here. <laughs> the Art History Babes podcast is made possible by support from our lovely listeners via Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash arthistorybabes to help keep the art history babes going and for access to bonus content.